If we have not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdale. When I uh, say that welcome, I'm standing actually in front of the Sea of Galilee, right outside our hotel. It's amazing to be able to step right out there, and there you are in the Sea of Galilee, and able to say welcome to the Holy Land. If you do not know, uh, a few weeks ago, we had 63 people in our church family go uh, with Pastor David and myself to Israel, to the Holy Land. We toured a lot of the, the area from Jerusalem to the Sea of Galilee, uh, Jericho, the Jordan River. Uh, And we're taking you with us on that journey to discover the Holy Land together as a church family. So pleased you're here sharing that time with us. We began last week at the Jordan River where actually the ministry of Christ began. He was baptized there. He said to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, That's where John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's where when he was baptized, he comes out of the water. And we're told the Spirit as a dove landed upon him. And the voice of God speaks, it's my beloved son, please listen to him. I am pleased with him. That's where it begins. Now we move to another place called the Mount of Temptation. And we're going to show you a video of that in a minute, so be prepared for that. And when that time comes, I'll actually read the scripture while you're looking at that video. It goes well together, so be prepared for that if you would. But first I want to show you a couple pictures. I'll show them in a second. But um, we, we saw the Mount of Temptation where many believe Jesus went to be tempted by the devil for 40 days after, right after his baptism. Now think about Jesus leaving from that great moment of baptism and all that I said and then going right away before anything else happens, going to the Mount of Temptation for 40 days to, to, to fast not eat, uh, to sleep on the rocks, to be out in the cold uh, of night and and the heat of the day, 40 days facing the devil, goes right to that place. I want you to think about that. Uh, We saw the Mount of Temptation, what many think is that, uh, on an area called Jericho, which is a city of Jericho, the oldest city in the world, we are told. And we were able from that place to see the entire Mount of Temptation. Most of the pictures you're going to see here in a minute of the video comes from that image that we saw. So we spent time there in the, on Jericho, uh, touring that area, and I stop and walk over to the side, and, and I remember standing looking and, and th- imagining what it was like to, to live there 40 days, to be in that place. You'll see it in a minute, uh, but it's a very austere, uh, nothing green, dirt, rocks, mountainside, an awful place really to think about being there at all, much less living there for 40 days. And I thought about it, thought about what Jesus did, thought about the temptations, uh, and then I came down from that Jericho, and when I went down, our uh, guide, whose name is Sippy Siegel, uh, she's a Jewish lady who kind of led us through the Israel, uh, we went, and she said, I have a, we have a place for us to eat. And uh, there's one day they'll take the, gu- the, the bus captain and tour guide, our tour leader, our host, with his wife, and we went, and I'm going to show you what, where she took us. Show us a picture, please, of the table. Okay, that's where she took us. Uh, and that's, that's just the two people and me and Rhonda, just four of us at that table. And that wasn't all of the food. That's just part of it. And so I want you to think with me, I, I'm looking at the Mount of Temptation where Jesus did not eat for 40 days and I come down and there we are. Uh, eating every imaginable kind of food. And can you put jalapeno peppers in hummus? Yes, you can. They have, that was one of the, the, the foods they had for us, along with lamb and lamb burgers. And uh, I could go on with what they served us, all kinds of food. On top of that, uh, the first person serving us uh, was a Bedouin. Uh, now, Bedouin is a, is a nomadic tribe that still lives in Israel. They're not all nomadic. Uh, he wasn't. He worked in that restaurant. Uh, he came up to us and gave us some gifts as well to thank us for being there. And he also went up to my wife, Rhonda, 
uh, and uh, said, I'm a Bedouin. And then he kissed her on the head twice. And he looked her in the eyes, and I'm sitting right there, looked her in the eyes, and he said, you know, you have honey almond eyes. Uh, in the Bedouin tribe, uh, you'd be highly valued, you know. Uh, and I thought, what an interesting conversation we're having here. Uh, <laughs> As I come down from the Mount of Temptation, and there's the meal, the conversation. And, and you know, sometimes we have a disconnect, don't we? But we want to connect today, so we're going to try to do that. Now, I'm going to show you a second picture of my last day in Israel, a picture of me in the hotel lobby. Uh, now, I have no idea why so many folks wanted to take a picture of me sleeping there. Uh, it's been a week, a long week, a little bit tired, an opportunity to nap, and so that's what I'm doing right there, and that circulated all kinds of places, you know. So that's my story in Israel. You know, an unbelievable amount of food, you have to eat it all, or at least part of each one, you hurt anybody's feelings, and then a nap. That's my story. Now, Jesus' story is a little bit different. Jordan River to the Mount of Temptation. I'm going to show you a video of that, and while you're looking at that video, I'm going to read the scripture from Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Can we begin, begin with the video? Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the devil took him into the holy city, and he stood him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels charge concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kings of the world and and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I'll give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. What you're seeing there is a monastery on the side of the Mount of Temptation. Within that monastery, there's a small cave. And some think maybe that's where he might have spent the night, uh, in the cold of the night. And he'd come out during the daytime. See the monastery there, a better picture of that. Again, nothing. He went from the Jordan River, beautiful place, center of crowds coming, acclamation of John the Baptist, God speaking, this is my son, uh, the proclamation of behold, he's going to save the world from his sins. And he goes to a place of Nothingness. Nothingness. Now, Pastor David used these words. Going to a place we do not want to go, to face that which we do not want to face. Why do you think he goes from the Jordan River in baptism to the Mount of Temptation? Going to a place we do not want to face, to go, to face that which we do not want to face. My son, sins of the world. Spirit of God, and now 40 days of hunger, deprivation, discomfort uh, on rocks, a miserable place, a place no one else would go for any reason at all. There'd be no reason to even travel there, to go there for any reason but to see, but he's where he goes and spends 40 days in that place. I'm going to review for you a little quickly, or pretty quickly, uh, the three temptations that he faced while he was there. Explain a little bit about what, maybe that's what, why what went on in that place. 
And we'll do it with, with pictures as well, pictures that we took while we were there. And one picture I took, the others were taken by Carter, a professional photographer. The first picture I took, that's a picture of some rocks. Let's show the rock picture. And I took this because, you know, it's right there very close to the Mount of Temptation. Uh, and the devil that says to, to Jesus, who has to be hungry, 40 days with no food. He said, if you are who you say you are, if you are really God, if you are who all we're proclaiming, you're being proclaimed to be by John the Baptist, then turn these stones into bread and feed yourself. Uh, and what does Jesus say? He says, well, we should not live by our bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he takes that from a place of, yes, I'm hungry. <laughs> yes, you know that I am. But God's word is of more value to me than simply working the miracle of turning these stones into bread. I want to show you a second picture. Picture of the Western Wall. Uh, many, many were there. In fact, we all were there. And the Western Wall in the past called the Wailing Wall. That title has been changed in recent years. Uh, that was, wall was there during Jesus' time. It was the outside wall on the western side of where the temple was. Uh, and so I'm showing you a picture of that. We went down and we prayed, many of us there during that season. Uh, there's a place where you can, in the cracks, one of the traditions is to write prayer requests and put them in the cracks in the, in the stones on the western wall. I did that for folks who gave me prayer requests. I put that there for many of you who said, pray for this, pray for that, pray for this concern. So I was able to do that. But I'm showing you this because... You know, it was there. And, and if you might imagine with me, during Jesus' time, there was no golden dome back there. That's called the Dome of the Rock today. It's a Muslim uh, temple. There are, uh, it's, it's a Muslim uh, place there now, Muslim mosque. Uh, but then the temple would have been in that location. It would have been probably taller than that. There would be pinnacles on each corner, the corner post of the huge, huge, huge temple. Uh, and we're told that, that that's where he, the devil took him to stand. And he stood there. And the devil said, if you, if you jump, then the angels will rescue you. You won't be hurt. Prove yourself. Prove who you are to me and this world. You know, prove yourself. You know, healing maybe to the pride you think Jesus might have had. And Jesus simply says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. I'm not going to put my God. I don't have to test God. I don't have to tempt God. I don't need to tempt my heavenly father. I'm okay, me and God. And I'm really going a place he probably didn't, but giving you an idea of what may, may, may have been going on there. Uh, and why he said, please refuse. No, I'm not doing it. I don't care what you say. And so he does not. That's the Western Wall. Then he's taken to a high mountain. I'm going to show you a picture of a high mountain that was there uh, in, in Israel. We saw that. That's the Masada area. Very high mountain in the middle of nowhere. And we're told the devil now takes him to a high mountain, stands him on the top of it, and shows him all the kings of the world, all the wealth and riches of the world. And remember, for 40 days, he's been uh, deprived of food and comfort. He's living in this most awful nothing place, uh, sleeping on rocks, cold at night, hot in the daytime, uh, miserable, but there he connects with God as he went to do. Uh, and that's when the devil shows him everything, all the, everything the world has. He said, if you, if you worship me, I'll give it all to you. You can have it all. First, the devil couldn't give it to him anyway. Uh, Jesus already had it, but that's probably a side issue. Uh, but Jesus simply says, no, thou shalt worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. 
Then we're told the devil left him and ministering angels came and served him and then he leaves. When he leaves, the next thing he does is call his disciples to follow him. And after that, he begins to do healing. He works miracles, we're told, uh, epileptics, paralyzed, uh, uh, deaf and blind. He works miracles, and then he teaches. Sermon on the Mount follows that. So see the journey. Jordan, proclamation of God, the Spirit, John the Baptist. Uh, now we have facing the evil one and overcoming those temptations. And then we have the miracles that follow that. And then teaching begins And then you know much of the rest of the story. That's how all this happens. Now, I want to go through a number of things with you today that some may have heard, some may not have. uh, But nonetheless, they are very important to understand what happens on this Mount of Temptation. So I want to review those as quickly as I can. Uh, And the first thing is, don't get this wrong. Jesus' battle was against sin, evil, and the evil one. That's what he's doing. And the devil is called the evil one sometime in the Bible. But even more, it's about his father-son relationship with God. When you look at the story of the temptations, that's really what they're about. It's, God fo- it's, it's Christ focusing on that I have a walk with God. God is my father. I am his son. And there's nothing of higher value to me than that. It's not just about being tempted to have all the things of the world or, or be delivered as jumping off, off a, a pinnacle. It's not just about that. Uh, not even his hunger It's about his focusing on celebrating, marking, elevating, hey, God is my father, I am his son, and that's the big deal to me. That's the highest value that I have in my life, and that's going to be ordered and prioritized right here at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ. This is what is sacred to Jesus Christ. And why he cast the money changers out of the temple some three years later. Because they, as he says, you're making my father's house a den of thieves. And out they go. That's why throughout his time, he would go up into mountains like this and pray to God and connect with God. No matter how busy he was, the demands of his life, all that he had to do, he continually focused on God and he found time to do that. Uh, That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will but thine be done. And why on the cross, he said, God, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. That's who he is. It's what he's called to do. It's what he's about. So the battle is not just against sin. It's about who he is. I'm the son of God, and God is my heavenly father, and that's who I am. And that relationship is of highest value to me. Make that connection yourself with your own journey as a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, secondly, uh, we could rename this, and I've used this term before, uh, the attempted con in the wilderness. Because that's exactly what the devil's trying to, he's trying to do. He's trying to con Jesus. Uh, he's trying to, 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 trying to make something look really good and make something else look really bad. He's trying to make Jesus think that his walk with God is not a great thing. Look what has got you so far, living in this hungry, awful, terrible place for 40 days. How's it going for you, Jesus? Now look what I can do for you. I can give you all the kingdoms of the world. Wouldn't you like that much better? You know, and he's trying to con Jesus. Now there are several reasons he can't do this. One is he, Jesus knows who he is, but he's also smarter than the devil. As you probably know that that's true. He also recognizes Christ does that his father's son relationship with God is the highest value he has in his life. And so he already knows that. He doesn't have to wonder or guess or think maybe. He's already clear on this. Hey, 
God's my heavenly father. I'm his son. I like that. No matter how much you appeal to any pride that I might or might not have or offer stuff or power, desires or wants, the mission God sent me to do and the walk I have with God and my child, my son, heavenly father relationship with God is better than anything else I could possibly hope for. No matter what you show me, it's going to be, huh, God's in my life. I'm following God. That's what I care about. Philippians 2, chapter 2, uh, says the, these are some of my favorite passages, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. This is about Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, so here he is as a form of God, the Son of God, there on that mountainside, the Mount of Temptation, facing the evil one, the devil. Although he existed in the form of God, He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. I am a son of God. I do not have to have today the authority and privileges of God, though I could choose that. I could grab hold of the rights of being God today. I could turn these stones into bread, but I'm not going to. I could jump off this cliff and the angels would rescue me. I could say all these kingdoms are mine and possess them. I choose not to because I've got in my life. We're told he emptied himself. That's what he's doing there on the mountainside, going to a place of nothingness to empty himself, taking the form of a bond servant, Philippians goes on to say, and being made in the likeness of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And his death begins here. Oh, we know the cross is going to happen. We know what that means. But his death, he begins pouring himself out here in his life and death as the journey begins. Well, that's the second point. Third point is this. You might have heard this before. The devil wanted Jesus to believe that something was nothing and nothing was something. And that's that con thing that happens. And you know, you and I have that battle every day, don't we? And Jesus has it at the very beginning and lays it aside. He decides what something is in his life. He makes that clear in his own heart and his own faith, and he begins his journey around that being settled. He doesn't live by the seat of his pants. He's made his decision. We have the story of Adam and Eve. You know the story, I'm sure. Adam and Eve uh, somehow decided that, that a piece of fruit was something. But their relationship with God, their creator, was nothing. Isn't that amazing? They did that. And the devil said to them in his temptation of Adam and Eve, look at this fruit. It looks so good. God said you can't eat of it, but hey, it looks so good and it looks good to the eye. You can see the beauty of this fruit. And by the way, if you eat it, you'll be like God. You know, you see Adam and Eve grasping for equality with God instead of saying it's not something to be grasped. And they grabbed for that. They, they thought this was something, and, 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 and all of a sudden for them, they lost everything in that decision. Cain, first son of Adam and Eve, decided that his pride was worth more than his brother's life. And the first murder was committed. A stone dashed the brains out of his brother. And there he says to God, am I my brother's keeper? And God says, your brother's blood cries out from the ground, and I hear it. The religious leaders of Israel decided their status and privilege was worth more and more important to them than the Messiah 
they had waited for for 2,000 years. He stands in their presence. He works miracles, even raising the dead. There's no miracle he did not work. And yet they reject him because they're not going to give up their status and privilege they have as religious leaders or the clothing that they're wearing or their place at the table or the money that they have, and they're very, most of them are very wealthy. They're not going to give it up, not for anything. They believe that their clothing and their money uh, and their status was something and that the Messiah they waited for over 2,000 years was nothing. <laughs> you know, you, you can make your own analogy, can't you? That's our struggle with temptation every day. Well, the next point here. What do you think it would, would be like to look the devil in the eye? <laughs> because that's what Jesus does. Before Jesus went into the world, went into the crazy Roman, Jewish, pagan, religious, chaotic world of his time, and it was that, uh, that it was a crazy world that he grew up in, lived in, served in, and now is going to go be uh, the, the, the Messiah into that world. Before he goes... He looks the devil in the eye first as he faces that. The world not much crazier than ours. He went where someone would not want to go to face that which we do not want to face. He didn't fly into the world by the seat of his pants. He made his decision for God early on. He prepared for what was ahead. He committed to the cause of saving the world. He knew who he was, who God was, and he cared about that relationship. And that is what carried him through his life all the way to the cross and the resurrection. What do you think it's like? We do it every day. We just don't know we're doing it. As long as we hear the call of God and what life really matters to us. Well, the last point, and I'm going to say more in a minute, but go to the mountain and name your temptation. Now, Jesus' temptation was prove your God. That's the primary thing that he has here. At his weakest point, weak because of hunger, Weak because of 40 days sleeping out in the cold at night, and it gets cold in Israel at night. Uh, and, and the heat of the day gets hot in Israel in the daytime. Uh, and this deprivation time for him, this alone time he's by himself, uh, this time where there is absolutely nothing, not a blade of grass on that mountain, not a twig, just nothing is there. And that's where he spends time. And he goes right there at the most difficult point he could possibly be in, the most weakest time he could possibly be in, and the devil faces him, and there he faces his temptation. Our temptation is not to prove that we are God, as his was. But the devil knows what our temptation is. He knows where we are, he knows where we are tempted in our life. And the sooner we face our temptations, the healthier it is for you and me. To name those temptations in that place, in that moment, in that season, to go there and say, God, here is what it is. I know it's nothing because you are something to me. And that's what I want as I choose to accept Christ as Savior and follow him. Go to the mountain and name your temptation. Now, it's easy for us, I think, to make the uh, uh, connection, to, to apply what Jesus is doing here. There's also, though, another major part of this we sometimes miss in the story. Yeah, we get the temptation idea and try to resist it and God help us and God's important to us in our life. We probably can do that. We see Jesus and say, well, we admire him, you know, uh, you know, good for him. I'm not sure if I can do that quite in that same level. 40 days with no food. I'm thinking, hey, I want something to eat. I showed you my story. 
and I'm taking a nap there, you know, the day we're heading back. And before that, I get this, um, we get around and I get this amazing uh, mass of food. We can only just touch a little bit of that. They probably threw the rest away, which we thought was a shame. But, but it tells us something else as well. Now, at the Jordan River, remember what, what was told when John the Baptist saw him. He said, when Jesus comes, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. God said, this is my son. Listen to him. The Spirit of God fell upon him. So have that picture in your mind. So we have the proclamation of what his, who he is. He's the son of God. What he's come to do to save the world from sin and death. Thank you, God. This story, this Mount of Temptation event, shows us that Jesus, is fully, Jesus Christ is fully capable of saving us from our sins of fulfilling his mission given to him and proclaimed uh, by John the Baptist at the Jordan River. He can do it. He's the one that can actually do this. He has the power and wisdom and love to be able to, he can do it for you and me. And it proclaims that for us. The Spirit of God at Jordan River, the words of John the Baptist, the prophet who precedes the coming of Jesus Christ, the voice of God himself, and now he faces our greatest enemy and overcomes this 40-day journey to what's going to come next. Miracles, teaching, and the cross and the resurrection. So he can do it. He can do it. When we say Jesus, we're recognizing he can do it. When we say Jesus, Savior, we're saying he can do it. When we say Jesus, heal me, we're saying he can do it. When we say Jesus, just touch my heart, I need you, I need you today. Today's not going well. He can do that for you and me as he invites his disciples and you and me to join him in the cause he came to give his life for. It's part of the invitation of being a Christian, to accept that grace, to join him in that journey to discover the Holy Land together in this great story of Jordan and Jericho and more things that are going to come here in the next few weeks all the way to Easter and what comes after these things as well. That to follow him includes facing our sin, overcoming the evil one, but even more, experiencing a relationship with Almighty God as he brings that to us and saying there's nothing better than that. Once I decide that, then I can't be conned by anyone. Then my journey is changed by a clear focus. Then my life is ordered by the steps of God. Once I decide that, the question is, have we decided that? Will you bow with me in prayer? Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for the words and for what you did for us in Christ, for his journey here in the Mount of Temptation. We hear, we learn, we receive, and God bless us as we accept these words. We proclaim, God, that your Son, Jesus Christ, has come to save us. We confess our need of saving. And we thank you for your gift of your Son to us. In that gift, may we be your followers. Learn every day more and more what it is to live as the people of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.